everyone. Welcome to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast. I'm Greg Drevenstead, Editor-in-Chief at Writer Magazine. This episode is brought to you by Fly Racing. Our guests today are Ina Thorne, Executive Director of Backcountry Discovery Routes, and Tim James, BDR's Board President and Creative Director. Backcountry Discovery Routes is a nonprofit advocacy organization that creates off-highway routes for dual sport and adventure motorcycle travel. Started in 2010, BDR has created 11 routes, many of them south to north routes that cover individual states in the west, along with two multi-state routes in the northeast and mid-Atlantic. The Wyoming BDR was released earlier this year. We talk with Ina and Tim about BDR's mission, the resources it provides for ADB riders, including free GPS tracks and route information, and what it takes to complete a BDR successfully. This is a great episode, so stay tuned. Ina and Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Greg. So, Ina, you're executive director of Backcountry Discovery Routes, and Tim, you're the board president and creative director. Um, some of our mo- listeners may be familiar with Backcountry Discovery Routes, uh, but for those who aren't, uh, give us some background on the program. Yeah, sure. So, uh, Backcountry Discovery Routes is a nonprofit advocacy organization. And our main mission is to create and preserve off-highway riding opportunities for the adventure and dual sport uh, motorcycle travel. Uh, We have a number of uh, things in our mission, uh, such as, you know, as I said, the number one, of course, is research and publish uh, new BDR routes. We also strive to keep uh, remote roads uh, open for adventure and dual sport motorcycle travel. We uh, educate the motorcycle community about managed travel um, on public lands. Uh, We work with land managers to better serve um, the adventure and dual sport motorcycle uh, recreation opportunities. Um, We also bring travel and tourism dollars to small uh, towns uh, along the routes that might be strained by lost industries. Uh, So the economic impact is a big part of uh, our mission. Um, you know, and then we just some of the deliverables that we provide to the community uh, with every route release, which we try to do every year, we have a new route, we provide free GPS tracks um, of our routes to people so they don't have to spend time researching the routes, everything is right there on our website, they can come and download the tracks, uh, we provide additional travel resources to help them plan their trips, uh, we produce feature length documentaries. Um, so as, as riders prepare for, to ride the BDR, they can watch a feature-length documentary film to see what, you know, what the terrain is like, what they should be aware of um, as they plan their trip. Um, and then, you know, just overall, we are preserving riding opportunities for our children and grandchildren. That's great. I mean, I know, uh, you know, working at Rider Magazine, I've tested a lot of adventure bikes over the years and dual sports. And you know, the adventure bike market over the last decade or so has really been one of the, the growth areas where uh, the industry has been pretty stagnant as a whole since the Great Recession. So the growth in uh, people buying and owning adventure bikes, but then people, you know, uh, they're busy, they've got their lives, they've got their careers is um, the great thing about the BDR program from my point of view is that you sort of have a, here's what a great adventure could be like for maybe a week or longer and you've, uh, you've already got the route laid out for people. They don't have to do the route planning and so forth. You've got the GPS tracks. So um, the, like I said, I think there are what, you have 11 routes at this point? Is that the total number? Yep, 11 routes. 
And I, I know most of them are in Western states. I know you've got one route. It's the, the Northeastern BDR that actually goes through a number of different states. Is that correct? We actually have two in the East. Our, our first was the Mid-Atlantic. Okay. Um, that goes through uh, Pennsylvania, uh, West Virginia, Virginia. Um, and, uh, and then the Northeast, you're, like you just mentioned, that goes through about six different states in the Northeast. Great. So uh, let's talk about some of the specifics. I mean, uh, my understanding is that most of these routes run north-south, uh, and they typically go, except for the ones in the in the eastern uh, that go uh, eastern states that go across multiple states. A lot of them basically go from a southern border to a northern border of a particular state, such as Washington or Arizona or so forth. Give us a little bit of the details about you know how long these typically are and uh, why they run north-south. Sure. Uh, yeah, so they've been designed to run from south to north um, since the beginning. That was just the format that was developed um, by the founders of the organization. And we've, we've rolled with it and it's served us pretty well. Um, they're typically between 800 and 1300 miles long. Um, the longer ones uh, tend to be the ones that are multiple states like the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic. Um, and uh, they're designed to be ridden in around a week, you know, we suggest around a week and loosely suggest riding a section a day. We break them up into sections and we do that so that um, at the end of a certain amount of, you know, a typical day for riding adventure bikes is about 150 to 175 miles on an average. Um, and that's kind of how we space them out and put resources at the end of that um, throughout the route so that there's a place that they can get food or, um, you know, lodging or, um, you know, campsites or whatnot. That's that's kind of the, the the idea behind it is to is to have it so that it's um, it's sectioned out and they can do the entire the entire route or just a few sections. Yeah, and 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 we tr try to make sure that our routes go through some of the most remote parts of the state. So, uh, you know, these are parts that most of us will probably never find ourselves at unless we were on our bike and traveling on the BDR. Um, and so it's really like an amazing experience because, experience because we, uh, it, it's, these are like some of the best travel destinations that are undiscovered. Uh, you know, we, we just completed uh, the Wyoming route and everybody knows kind of the, the main uh, national parks that people go to in Wyoming, but our route is, is uh, in a completely uh, different part of the state, and so mm. it, it's really uh, it, it's really wonderful to to you know for people to see the, these parts of the country that uh, are kind of hidden hidden gems, uh, you know. And then here they are having this amazing adventure on the bike and exploring these parts of the country that um, they would probably never see otherwise. Yeah, and that kind of ties back into our mission of, of, of driving these routes into economically challenged communities. You know, um, Yellowstone in Wyoming doesn't really need more uh, more tourism, right? But but the middle of the state, you know, little towns like Atlantic City, they're going to benefit from from um, from this route in, in a big way. So, well, sure. I mean, if you're going to stop and, and get gas or supplies, I know, um, I, you know, I, I'm sure on some of these routes, some people may plan to camp along the way, but I'm sure there are motels that they could stay in. And some people are like, hey, I want to get a I want to get a shower. I want to sleep in a bed or something like that. So. Um, bringing people to areas that are, like you said, a little bit off the radar uh, is I think part of the design or the appeal of a BDR, but also I can see how that would uh, definitely bring some uh, tourism dollars in, to uh, some of these areas. So one of the things that um, I wanted to ask is, so you mentioned that these are for adventure bikes and dual sport bikes. So 
Um, these are going to be for motorcycles that have a license plate. They're essentially, you know, road legal motorcycles. So if somebody has a dirt bike that doesn't have a plate, they wouldn't be appropriate for uh, much of the BDR routes. Is that correct? That, that's, that's, go ahead, Nina. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so BDRs are for street legal motorcycles. You have to have a license plate and, and mirrors. Because um, sometimes you have to cross you know, free, freeways, not much, but uh, so yeah, you would want to make sure that you have a license plate. Um, well, and you, you also- and able to carry all the gear that you need on your bike. Sure, that's, I mean, that's certainly the advantage of a, a big adventure bike is the, the luggage capacity, but also, you know, there's not a gas station on a national forest road. So you're going to have to take a paved road at some point to, to refuel, maybe to, to resupply a little bit. So there are times where You've got to leave the route and go on a on a on a public road or a paved road to get to the resupply. So that makes sense. Yeah, the, all of the all of our routes are on public roads. Uh, in the the longest gas station is about 150 miles on any of the BDR. So that's another thing to think about: is do you have the right range on your bike to last you that that long? Sure. I mean, I could see on a smaller dual sport, somebody might need to bring some additional fuel and a rotopacks or get one of those, uh, you know, larger capacity fuel tanks, you know, for their bike or something like that. So, um, and so that's one of the things is, you know, in terms of, of people that are going to approach these is that, again, these are, as, as Tim mentioned, these are, you know, 800 to 1000 miles, maybe they're 150 to 200 miles a day, it sort of depends on someone's pace. Um, so you're looking at a week to 10 days, perhaps, uh, that you could approach some of these. And then, you know, for those that are particularly adventurous, since you've got uh, multiple states, for example, you've got Arizona and then um, uh, Nevada. Uh, and uh, let's see, you've got um, a lot of these with, and you've got New Mexico, you've got Colorado and so forth. Do some of the, do the, do the BDRs connect from state to state when you've got a, a neighboring states where you have those routes, routes mapped? Can you go and do like consecutive BDRs? Yes, uh, that, they're kind of designed to do that. I mean, if you think of it, if you look at the map on our website or the homepage of our website, we're, we're kind of creating like vertical stripes across across the country, right? Um, and there's going to be a few of them that you'll be able to go from the, the, the lower um, border of, of the U.S. To, to the top border of U.S. And, and they don't intersect um, exactly where they hit uh, neighboring states, but we'll also offer connector routes on the website to some so that you can get one to the other. Usually we try to get close. Um, sure. But um, they never right, never just runs right into the other one. Understood. Yeah, you've got to sort of, you know, you're dependent on what sort of routes or tracks are available. Um, so, um, uh, so like I say, so people can do, uh, you said they can do an entire state, they can do sections, they could do multiple states, uh, uh, particularly in the West. Um, so one of the things, because I, I'm based in California, and one of the challenges that we often have in national forest areas where we're riding dual sport bikes and adventure bikes is there are closures of some of the national forest roads. It could be seasonal closures, or it could be to there had been a wildfire or a landslide or something. So is that something on the BDR website for any specific route? You've got up-to-date information on on closures or rerouting or things like that, because that's, that's certainly something you don't want to run into. Yeah, that's a big part of the deliverables uh, for our communities that we not only develop these routes, but we're actively managing them basically in perpetuity. Uh, we now have a routes manager before it, it used to be a volunteer job, but now with 11 routes under our umbrella, 
you can imagine that during the riding season, there's a lot going on on most of the sections of the routes now also with fires. Uh, that's a big concern. So we try to stay on top of all the road closures, um, mainly, you know, just uh, getting information from riders out there in the field. They send us emails. Uh, we follow up with the Forest Service or land managers to confirm, you know, when the closure is happening. What and with most of the time, we'll provide a workaround. So we do encourage riders to, before they ride the route, make sure they go on our website, uh, scan the route updates, uh, and take that into account. We also have a um, Facebook group page for all of the routes uh, that people can join, and there. Uh, riders post uh, route updates or can ask route specific questions. So uh, we really take it seriously. And, and that's a huge, um, you know, a huge deliverable for us, for the community to provide these updates real time in real time. We also on each one of the route pages on the website, there's an interactive map that has layers um, that can show real time information about things like wildfire and snowpack and um, and, and it's a, a ton of a ton of layers. So it's it, that's really helpful. It's real time and they can actually use that out on out on the route if they have a signal right so that's it's really good information to have at, you know at the ready absolutely so we're talking to ina and tim about backcountry discovery routes we're going to take a couple of minutes uh for a word from our sponsor fly racing i've tested hundreds of motorcycles for rider magazine and i've been wearing fly racing apparel for years from helmets to boots and everything in between fly racing makes protective apparel for street adventure and off-road riding Fearless Pursuit is the foundation of Fly Racing. It drives their design and their commitment to become a leader in the street and ADV worlds. Feature-rich products like the off-grid adventure jacket use cutting-edge materials, innovative design, and enhanced safety features to protect riders in all types of conditions. What does this mean to the rider? Enhanced comfort and safety gives you more confidence in your gear, giving you more confidence on the road and trail. Take your adventure further than you ever imagined. Learn more at flyracing.com. And uh, so we're back uh, with Ian and Tim from Backcountry Discovery Routes. Uh, so these are great resources for people that, um, you know, really want to take, let's say, a, a week long or longer uh, adventure riding or dual sport vacation. Um, as we said earlier, there are 11 routes. Many of them are in western states uh, that go run from south to north. Uh, you can connect these routes. You can do sections of them. Uh, there are also routes that cover multiple states in uh, the mid-Atlantic and the northeast. So tell us a little bit more. I, I know that um, uh, the BDR organization uh, started in 2010, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And Ina, you said earlier that uh, you've released uh, approximately one route every year. So, uh, and the most recent route, which was just released is the Wyoming BDR, that's the 11th route. Can you tell us a little bit more about what makes this one unique? I mean, I'm sure every route is, you know, it's a, they're in different states. They all have their own uh, sort of uh, highlights, but what makes the Wyoming BDR unique? I, I think what we found out is that it was the most remote route of uh, all the BDRs. You're really out there, uh, you know, in the environment, uh, among just absolutely stunning scenery. Uh, and it's, it's, it's very <laughs> empowering and just inspirational and energizing. The riding is really fun. Uh, Paul, who uh, 
served on the board, Paul Gillen uh, was a co-founder, served on the board for, for 12 years, and he has written all the BDRs. And he said that Wyoming is perhaps his most favorite one just because of the um, remoteness and the fun riding. We, in fact, even dubbed it uh, mad flow, <laughs> hashtag mad flow for Wyoming BDR, uh, because it, it's almost always technical, uh, but not scary technical. So just outstanding riding and beautiful scenery is kind of what, what I took out away from, mm. from Wyoming. Tim, anything yeah. from you? I think it's also probably on the higher percentage of, of um, off-highway or, or dirt, um, dirt roads. I would say it's had, if I had to hazard a guess, I would say it's probably in the 80 something percent um, dirt roads, which is really high. I mean, some of the routes are a little little less like the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast for obvious reasons, which a little bit, few more paved roads on this coast. Um, but I would say that's one, and that's that leads to that 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 remoteness. I mean, there's days that you you don't, we didn't see a soul out there. Um, it was pretty amazing. And that may change now that the, this route is gonna be popular. So that may change a little bit. You probably see other riders now, but um, but, definitely remote and definitely fun and definitely mad flow that's for sure well you, you both bring up a couple of interesting points one is uh Ina referred to the the technical nature of uh, some of the riding on the wyoming bdr and then you both referred to how remote they are so let's talk about some of the preparation people would need to do because again not everybody that owns an adventure bike has off-road riding skills or training um, or if they do some people have a range of experience um, what sort of information is available to let people know, hey, if I was going to pick a BDR and I didn't really, you know, like they may pick the one that they're closest to or the state they live in, but um, is there information to help people understand uh, the, the degree of difficulty of uh, either the entire route or specific sections? And if there are really technical sections, are there uh, route options to where you could basically avoid some of the more uh, technical terrain? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and as much as we try not to rate routes by difficulty uh, on our uh, FAQ page, the frequently asked questions at the bottom of our website, we do uh, kind of line them up in the order of difficulty. Uh, and I would encourage people to ride, uh, to, to read the FAQs for the individual routes that they're interested in, because it does give them a little bit of a description of what to expect in terms of technicality. Also watching the, the documentary films will help you understand how difficult the route is. Uh, you know, but in general, we say, do not attempt to ride a BDR as your first, you know, overnight or long distance trip. You, it, you know, you definitely have to, have off-road riding experience, perhaps haven't taken one or two off-road classes, have um, practiced you know, riding your bike fully loaded with your gear, um, and haven't taken a few trial rides overnight or a couple nights just to, to get in the groove of, of it. Because it, you know, day after day when you travel uh, with a fully loaded bike on technical terrain, uh, it takes some stamina, it takes some experience. So um, definitely do not do a BDR as a first, first trip. Um, and, and certainly, you know, preparation is key and uh, making sure that uh, you have the right riding skills, you have the right gear, that your bike is prepared, that you have um, emergency uh, plans, uh, that you have a satellite tracker or a satellite phone, um, things like that, that, you know, kind of common sense, but there's a wealth of information on our website uh, pertaining to that. Um, yeah, that's, that's yeah. what I would recommend. 
yeah, and the other thing is being, you know, being physically fit. It's 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 uh, it, it's an endurance, right? It's it's you know seven to ten days, um, and you could be sleeping on the ground for half of that, and, or or the whole time. Some people like to to, to camp every night. Um, so making sure that you're physically up to it, um, and that your bike is in top shape, because you will have mechanicals even if your bike is in top shape, because bikes tend to break on these on these BDRs. So you want to make sure that you're prepared yourself and and your machine. Sure. Well, uh, you know, about 10 years ago, I did the Oregon Backcountry Discovery Route. Now, I know that's not part of the, the Backcountry Discovery Route program that you run. Uh, if my understanding is that that was somewhat of the inspiration uh, for uh, the, the Washington BDR that uh, Paul Gillen and the folks from Touratech put together. But having done that trip, like one of the things that, you, uh, that Ina, that you mentioned is, um, you know, we... I'm in California and that happened to be at the time back in 2013, the closest route to where we, uh, some of my friends and I lived. We had 750 miles of pavement to get to the Southern border of Oregon. Um, but I had a BMW F800 GS Adventure, had a big gas tank, it had panniers that were fully loaded. And as soon as we went off road, I felt like it, this thing was like, you know, the hippopotamus on roller skates. The bike just <laughs> felt so unwieldy. And it really took me the better part of a day to get comfortable riding on, and that was mostly gravel uh, for the first little while, but there were some hairpin turns as we climbed up. And so, yeah, getting comfortable on the bike when it's fully loaded is totally different than when it is just uh, yourself. But also, um, you know, I did that trip with two friends. I would think that, you know, one of the recommendations is to, to you know, you can go solo if you want, but the buddy system always seems to be a a good rule of thumb on, uh, you know, especially backcountry type adventure riding is, yeah, as Tim mentioned, if you have a mechanical, if you were to even just have a small get off and twist your ankle, uh, if you're all by yourself, it can be uh, a, a big challenge if you don't have somebody that could maybe uh, get some help, even get uh, some tools if you needed that uh, if you needed to resupply. But mm -hmm. also, uh, you know, you mentioned the satellite tracker, you know, whether it's a spot or a Garmin, one of those that, um, you have the opportunity, you have the ability to send, uh, make a call or send a text and ask for help or assistance when you're outside of cell range. Cause I imagine most of these BDRs, you're not anywhere near cell towers most of the time. Is that correct? Yeah, there's very little cell service on the route. Uh, yeah, that's really important to uh, plan ahead. Like, okay, what happens if one of us gets hurt, you know, to have a plan in place, uh, because things like that happen. Yeah, <laughs> they know? do. Yeah, and they do. Yeah, making sure that within your group you're carrying enough tools to service all the bikes. Um, mm. So yeah, like even though we take uh, the difficulty out of planning your trip in terms of your itinerary, it's on you to make sure you're prepared, your bike is prepared, that the team dynamics work. Because right. all kinds of you know personal issues will come up on a 10, 10 day trip. Somebody <laughs> said, yeah, riding a BDRs or it is like uh, spending 10 days with somebody in a, in a, in a small, you know, rowboat. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah, right. you know, even though it might be your best friend, but, be, you know, rest assured that some kind yeah. of conflicts will come up and uh, handling those is kind of an interesting, yeah. you know, experience yeah. in, in itself. Yeah, choose your partners wisely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that ultimately ends up being part of the adventure if you've got to work together to solve a problem. Um, or if you negotiate a particularly challenging section of terrain together and you sort of have that camaraderie of, of shared accomplishment. Um, and yeah, when I did, I've gone on other adventure rides or the, the one I did in Oregon is 
you know, with a couple of buddies sitting around the campfire at the end of the day, we've gotten hot, we've gotten sweaty. Um, you know, it is just, it was very rewarding at the end of every day to have, uh, to be out in a remote area, have nice scenery, mm -hmm. have a campsite somewhere. Uh, it was, it was great. So. And that's kind of, you know, the, the core of the BDI experience. And I think that's why we're supported by the community so much. In fact, 95% of um, our fundraising comes from the individuals who ride the BDRs. And, you know, yes, on the trip, you will experience some, some hardships and in that the heat of the moment, you think, well, you know, why, why in the world am I doing this? But yes. once you've navigated through that, and at the end of the day, when you're sitting around campfire, like those are the most, amazing that's experiences right. and that's when people come home they want to give back to the organization so that you know more people can experience these they're really life-changing trips yeah. um yeah so that's kind that's of right. the beauty and at the heart of, of the bdr that's right and that is what you remember is the challenges right when you're skid plate deep in sand and it's 110 degrees and and you know you're running out of water and, and you know you got to get out of there and get to the next point and those are the stories that are told around the campsite and just kind of live on after the adventure and so you're 100 percent right with what he said yeah i mean i think that's a big part of the appeal of of the adventure bike uh community and and the, the growth in this segment and and motorcycling is uh, you know, the motorcycles themselves are highly capable and versatile and, and you know, and the, the proverbial Swiss army knife of motorcycles, whether it's a, uh, you know, a, a GS or an Africa twin or whatever it may be, but um, it does allow people to go have these uh, sort of adventures with friends in different places. And, um, you know, what I like so much about adventure and dual sport riding is, frankly, is getting away from paved roads. I mean, as much as I enjoy riding on paved roads, invariably, you're going to have uh, some cars or maybe some RVs or something. But when you're on uh, even na public national forest roads that are open to anyone uh, is you tend to not see many people as you both have talked about some of these routes, uh, you know, you may go all day and see hardly anyone. You may see some more wildlife than people. And um, that's really a great thing to do when we're all so busy with emails and cell phones and everything else is to take a break mm -hmm. from all that and just be out, at, out in nature. Hey, Greg, why, you, you bring up a good point that just reminded me to talk about something is that we have a couple of awareness programs um, that we promote pretty heavily at, at BDR. Um, and, and one of them is, you know, outriding is ride respectfully, right? We're, you know, it's, it's a privilege for us to be out riding in these areas so that we, we encourage people to, you know, ride safely, um, you know, ride to the right side of the trail to avoid head on collisions, you know, be respectful of, you know, other people out there. Um, and, and our newest one is, is yield to animals, um, because in Wyoming, we, we, we experience a lot of wildlife and, and it can be dangerous to you, but you can also be dangerous to them. So it's, you know, and, and a lot of the, the, the wildlife and, and the livestock out there is, is the livelihood of these ranchers, right? So, you know, disrupting their, their livestock is, is not a great idea. So be respectful and yield to, yield to animals. And it's really important for us to get that message out there. Yeah, that's great. I mean, because you, as you said, you're trying to preserve access and access is something that uh, I know, again, living in California, this is a state where we have particular challenges with, with off-road access um, is that uh, if people, if they, you know, the, the old adage of, of camping or hiking is pack out what you pack in is, you know, don't leave garbage, leave things the way you left them, improve them or what I often do if I go camping or riding sometimes is if I find trash somewhere, I'll actually, it wasn't mine, but I'll take it with me because I hate seeing that stuff out on the trail. So yeah. people, yeah. Ride, like you said, riding respectfully with other people or trail users, 
um, because again, this is these are if these are public um, uh, roads, you may have people in other kinds of vehicles. Uh, you may encounter people on horseback or hikers sometimes, and they don't want to have somebody come, you know, going through too fast, and making a lot of noise or something like that. Have fun, but look out for other people and and, and treat them and the and the, uh, the the train with respect. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one, I do want to ask a little bit more. I mean, you, uh, you know, I know you said that the uh, Backcountry Discovery Routes is a nonprofit organization. You said that people that you get 95% of your support is from individuals that uh, believe in the program, have, have completed BDRs. So how do people support the BDR? I mean, is it just direct donations or their memberships? How does it work? Yeah, so uh, a number of ways. We have a supporter program, uh, which is an annual program where uh, riders can uh, donate a certain amount. We have a number of levels, $100, $250, $500, and uh, they actually get a lot of things in return for that donation. Uh, we have over 30 adventure brands in the industry who are contributing either perks or discounts or even gifts to the program. So, you know, individuals can donate money, but then they can also use these discounts to outfit their bikes and prepare themselves for the adventure. Uh, so that's one way to, to, to donate. Another one is just a donation um, you know, of any kind. Uh, everything goes you know, to, 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 to support the BDR mission. We have uh, additional fundraising opportunities like we uh, do annual uh, bike build sweepstakes. Um, so people can buy tickets, to, uh, raffle tickets to, to win the bike. Uh, we also have an annual holiday auction every December, again, with the support from the industry. Uh, we, we have this online auction filled with uh, adventure experiences or training packages or um, apparel, lighting, what, anything you want, uh, you can purchase at the holiday auction. That's, that's great. I mean, you know, I strongly believe in what you guys are doing. Like I said, you know, there's um, there's not enough access out there, or if there is access, it's difficult for people to figure out how to piece things together. And you have, uh, as you keep adding states, there's more and more uh, routes that are that are mapped and they're planned and you monitor the conditions so that people, as you said, they can dip in for a couple of days if it's in their state or they can go do the whole thing. And I think for people that are, um, a lot of people that buy adventure bikes, they're maybe returning riders. Maybe they were riders when they were younger and they stopped riding when they had kids. And so uh, maybe they're middle-aged, they've got the time or the money is that this, you know, completing a, a backcountry discovery route really is a, a bucket list type adventure. And, you know, people, if they take the time to prepare, get the training, you know, uh, uh, buy all the right equipment, uh, get experience with friends and riding and so forth, and plan ahead for one of these things. Uh, you know, it's like you said, it's not something for a brand new rider, but uh, I think it could be really rewarding for anybody. Like I said, I've done only done one and I, I want to do them all. And it's just a matter of time and opportunity to be able to do that. So uh, this is this is great. So Yeah, I think it's important to mention that, you know, BDRs are for uh, riders on any budget and any bike. Uh, I, I don't want there to be a perception that, oh, you know, BDRs, they're kind of, you know, hard to accomplish. Really not, you know, take training, you, you can buy a used bike for very little, uh, outfitted, minimally, minimally pack, minimally, and yeah. have this, the same fun, you know, if not more on, on this adventure. So, um, yeah, it, it's really open to anyone. You just have to have the adventure spirit and, and want to do it. Well, and I'd also encourage anybody to, um, you know, 
take a look at some of these documentary DVDs that you have uh, put out. They're beautifully produced. Uh, they really provide a lot of inspiration and you can really see firsthand what the sort of conditions and the scenery and so forth. I think I had reviewed the Washington BDR DVD uh, years ago and that was my inspiration to go do one of the backcountry discovery routes myself. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like I said, I would love to do uh, all of them at some point. Uh, so it's just, I got to find room in my schedule. So. Mm -hmm. Well, again, is there anything else you want to share with folks? How do they find out more about backcountry discovery routes? You know, before we wrap things up, you know, uh, can you give us the information about the website? We'll have links in the show notes, but what website is it? Yeah, it's just ridebdr.com. Uh, and th that website has a wealth of information. You're also always really, uh, welcome to email us or call us and we'll help you out with uh, any questions. Uh, currently, we also have a film tour happening around the country for the Wyoming Backcountry Discovery Route documentary. So if you are uh, on our website, there's a listing of uh, screenings around the country. So come, come and visit the local dealership and watch the film to get inspired. Um, and then the, the film will actually be available for free for the first time we're, we're uh, putting our film for free online after May 1st. Once the tour is done at dealerships, we'll do an online film premiere on May 1st. It'll be a live broadcast um, online. And then after that, the film will be uh, available for free on YouTube. Great, great. Well, again, I encourage folks to go to the website. It's, it's really well put together. There's information about the overall Backcountry Discovery Routes program, its mission, how you can support it, but you can drill into the route for each state and uh, find out route information, download GPS tracks for free. Uh, you can order uh, some of these uh, documentary DVDs and so forth. So as you said, there's a wealth of information on there. So uh, Ina, Tim, I really appreciate you both coming on the program. Uh, it was great speaking with you. Yeah. Thanks so much, Greg, for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Greg. Awesome. For the Rider Magazine Insider Podcast, I'm Greg Drevenstead. Thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down. Thank you for listening and thank you to Fly Racing for supporting this podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and tell your friends about the Rider Magazine Insider Podcast. Rider Magazine brings you motorcycling at its best with 12 issues per year. Visit ridermagazine.com to subscribe to our print or digital editions and to get the latest motorcycle news and reviews. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening and keep the rubber side down.